0: I kind of sense today there's just uh, a lot going on. And uh, we find ourselves troubled. We find ourselves weary. You ever find yourself just waking up thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do today? You ever find yourself about halfway through the day and you're already wore out? It's like, what's draining my battery? There's there's a short somewhere. I'm just losing the charge. I used to be able to have. I'm not just talking about physical stamina. I'm just talking about emotional and spiritual strength. Where there was a time in your life, you're just like, man, I just I can coast through stuff. But now I find myself just battling, just battling. How many of you are just tired? Look, look around. Just that honest confession. Today's message will be maybe a little different. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10. It's one of the most familiar passages in Scripture. Of all the parables, it's, it's right up there, if not the most popular. But I think, again, once we look at it, we may realize, I thought I knew what it was saying, but maybe it's saying more than I really have thought about. So I want to start off with this. I was asking if you're weary and tired. Along with that, we find ourselves detaching, don't we? You just, you just want to detach. You just want to go home and vegetate. You, whether you've you got a laptop in front of you or a TV or just dead airspace, you just want to detach. Even in marriages at times, I mean, you've learned each other, and it's just like, I just need alone time. I just need me time. I just, I just need something, so just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, along with that, we find that we lose our zest for life. We find ourselves really not... Uh, can we just get real honest about it? Lord, I don't, I don't even want to ask you to use me today because I don't want to do anything. <laughs> and here we are again a year into this pandemic. And all the things that have shifted and adjusted and changed. And we're just like, you know, I, I just don't know how happy I am with about 70% of it what's tomorrow going to hold and we just go on and on and on. So here's here's where we have to get today. And we ask ourselves as we're kind of talking to ourselves but talking to God at the same time. What can I do? What can I do to make a difference? I mean really, what difference can I make? And if you find yourself becoming so numb of everything life's throwing at you, you'll find yourself detached in every area. It'll show up in your marriage. It'll show up in your life. It'll show up in your business affairs. You'll find yourself not wanting to go out and do anything social any longer, whether it's social distanced or not. And you're just like, you know, I used to be able to just go out and get a fishing pole and enjoy fishing, but I haven't even had a desire to to drown a worm lately. And when it comes to then just, okay, God, what is it that you want to do with me and through me, kind of just becomes a foreign thought. And so we're back to the story of the Good Samaritan. If you, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. And we're starting off here again with this, this story of a, of a really a lawyer, a young person Studying the law so you and I think of law today and we kind of categorize it in one or two areas but this is this is a person that has studied the law of God and So he's coming up and he's quizzing Jesus now again, just setting the stage It's one of them stories where we kind of get a bias before we have the privilege to do that The truth is this young man should be asking of him because he's probably asked every other rabbi the same questions as, you know, what, uh, you're doing more than these other guys, so what's your opinion, what's your take? And you'll see that's exactly how Jesus answered him. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, now written in read, red, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? I love that phrase. Does anybody remember Siskel and Ebert? For those of you who don't know those names of yesterday, these guys were movie critics. And they could go to the same theater at the same time, watch the same movie, and one would give a thumbs up and one would give a thumbs down. You know, I've been preaching for a couple years, for a minute, as they say. And you know, I'll have people leave after I preach and some will give me a thumbs up and some will give me a thumbs down. Same sermon, same time, same bat station, that channel it's us it's not the sermon as much as it's us and where we are at that time oh that is good preaching pastor you really got some insight going on i've been doing this a while said, so how do you read it and he answered you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself that's the shema And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But, but. Yeah, exactly. But he desiring to justify himself, see it is about us, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That is one loaded question. Jesus replied, Let me tell you a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite when he came to the place and saw him he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Now we're back to the lawyer. He said, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and you do likewise. Thank you, Lord, again for your word that just keeps speaking to us. And this wasn't just yesterday. It's speaking to us right now where we are in our world. We thank you for your word. Speak to us, challenge us, transform us. In Jesus name, amen. God bless you. Before you're seated, ah <laughs> got you. Turn on somebody and say, it's good to see you. <laughs> now I'll give you a quiz. Who's your neighbor? You just said hello to him. Do you know their name? It's terrible when you're married to that person 12 years and you still don't know their name. <laughs> hey, you. So we find here this story, this incredible story that uh, just speaks volumes. And it's, again, one of them parables that, that honestly, it's just like a sponge and you just twist it and you get all this fluid juice water whatever out of the sponge and you ring it again you get more out and you ring it again you get more out this is this is one of them stories and we find this this story almost like it's a storyline to a book or to a movie and we find it's among the cast of characters we we find this reckless traveler and we find a priest and we find a, a levite And we find an individual from this place that uh, nobody wanted to go through, a place called Samaria. And there are reasons for their prejudice on that. And uh, so we know him as the Samaritan. We also understand that there was support cast in this uh, storyline. And we complete with, uh, with robbers and an innkeeper. And here's the story unfolding for this this young lawyer, this young man of the law, and, you know, I asked you about inheriting eternal life, and I got an A on the quiz because I could recite the Shema, but we've gone beyond that, haven't we? And we come again now to this story that for this man, it's the first time he's hearing it. You and I have probably read it multiple times in our life. But again, as as it's so healthy to do, Lord, walk me through this without any prejudice, any biases, or I've been there, got the T-shirt on this one. I know the story and kind of zoom past it. Let it speak to you as if it's the first time that you're hearing it. What can I do to in- inherit eternal life? This story also is about the topography of it because we find that Jerusalem is 2,300 feet above sea level, and yet the Dead Sea is 1,300 feet below sea level. 3,600 feet of elevation shift in a 20-mile span. And in that, you'll find in that whole region that it is just laced with limestone, and therefore there are caverns and caves all over the place. Matter of fact, all the way up into 5th century, different writers still called it by the original name that goes back to biblical times, the bloody way. You just didn't go down this path, this road by yourself. And yet there's a story of a reckless traveler who decided, I'll be okay. I've heard the warnings. There's probably posted signs everywhere, don't do this alone. And... Yet, for whatever reason, decided to do it alone, and we see the outcome of it. I'm sharing all that because you gotta, You just got to marinate in the story. I mean, there's so many things that your mind's already racing to. If you're hearing it the first time, what was that attorney hearing for the first time? And it's like, okay, yeah, everybody knows not to travel down that way. Why would this guy do that? And again, it just helps us with the story, and then we find now these other characters coming in on the storyline, and we find, again, a priest and a Levite that immediately, you and I, as we read it, because we've read it so many times, we have a distinct bias against them. Well, them better than everybody else, somebodies, those religious folks. If anybody should have been charitable, it should have been them, but you see, they felt bound to all their teaching. For the priest making his way to the temple, I can't afford to be contaminated. I'm going to social distance. Oh my God. I got to stay away from this guy. I, I can't touch because this is my one opportunity to serve annually. And if I find myself testing positive, Hmm. then I can't I'm going to miss my turn and then I'm not going to be happy I'm going to go home and kick the cat because I'm not happy you see if you'll read the story for what it is it, it speaks to all of us and I'm not even trying to give any kind of slant toward this and that and the other I'm trying to show you life is happening in the story life happens for us every day And we all go into it with preconceived ideas and traditions. And we say, God, I'm sick and tired of what I'm going through. I want you to do a new thing. And he sends a new thing our way, and we don't even see it. Because we're so conditioned. And then somebody else comes in and tells us that we got to change. We ain't happy with that messenger at all. We'd rather just shoot them. In other words, life happens. If this was a made for TV story, they couldn't accept the storyline. They would have to at least get it ready for the cinema to get to the theaters so we could put an R rating on it. Because in the story, I'm convinced there was language in the story as somebody is being robbed and what maybe the thieves were saying. In threatening ways, and maybe biased slurs, as well as maybe the person being attacked himself. Maybe they didn't have some very nice things to say to the people robbing them. Anybody still with me? You see, we read these Bible stories it's like, oh, they're so cute, so nice. Let's go set that one right there. No doubt, it was at least rated R because there would have been nudity in this story. The man had been stripped. Of his clothes and left half dead. So we find a lot of things going on with this Rated R story. The nudity, the language, and without a doubt violence. Again, this pathway, the bloody way had been known. It was renowned for it. How many people had died? How many people had been injured uh, and maimed for life? This is a this is a terrible terrible place and it speaks to us again of where we are how many of those life can get messy life can get messy in in a heartbeat you think everything's going great going the way i expected it and all of a sudden it just changes shifts overnight one statement one person gets into your life for this story here once this young attorney asked about eternal life, and said, I must be doing pretty good because I can recite, I can recite the Shema here. I'm doing pretty good. And then we come in and he asks now the centerpiece question: Who is my neighbor? Again, it was not an innocent question, was it? At all. It already was laced with his bias. You're telling about this story, but who who's my neighbor? In other words, I shouldn't have to deal with these kind of people because they're really not my choice of neighbor. So who is my neighbor? In other words, do I get to pick and choose who my neighbor is? Do I get to choose who I can like and who I can love and who I can dislike? It's quiet in this house. You see, in this story, originally told, they already knew what it was to have mixed races. That's what Samaria was all about. The prejudice was there. I've already got, I've got a reason not to like these people because they're not pure. But you can also hear in the story the prejudice against those who were religious. Anybody ever kind of had somebody not like you because they found out you were churched? Or you thought you were doing your job right, and you thought, I hear an opportunity to witness this person. Oh, by the way, you know, the Bible says, and immediately, oh, you're one of those. You ever had that? You holy roller, better than thou, Bible thumper. Who do you think you are? You don't know my life. You don't know what I'm going through. What gives you the right to say that? To- don't you be condescending to me. Anybody ever had those things said to you? And what happens to us? We either want to hit him in the nose. Of course, that probably wouldn't be the best witnessing tool in the world. (laughs) Or we do the opposite. We withdraw. Fine. Go to hell. I heard my minister music over there. Amen on that one. See, I'm making this thing just as real as he told it. There's a challenge here. Who is my neighbor? Just who is it? God, you, you don't really expect me to be neighborly to this person, do you? I mean, I've got reasons why <laughs> I shouldn't be friendly to this person. We find and hear the, today, of course, we deal with social injustices. And we hear that we, we have individuals that are known as activists today, racial profiling, all these things that we're hearing, It's nothing new under the sun. They were dealing with them. We're still dealing with it now. So we come back to us again. We ask ourselves, you know, where do I fit in this? What can I do? What can I do to make a difference? should, Should I just withdraw completely? We struggle with all these things. And then we find in the story the judgments that are going on. They're there. If you'll just look at it a little closer, you'll see it. Because, again, the, one of the lead roles in this is this reckless traveler. How many of us have ever been opinionated? That's the most honest confession I've ever seen out of you. I'd never give his name out publicly, but it's Tony totally Henry, I think, is his initials. <laughs> He's putting his fist up at me. Again, opinion is laced here because, again, well, if they're that stupid to go down that road by themselves, they got what they deserved. Everybody knows. Everybody knows not to do that. Did this young attorney immediately hear, did his mind go there as soon as Jesus starts telling the story, the parable of, well, there was this this traveler who uh, went down. I mean, how many times have somebody started to tell us something, And our mind already has filled in all the rest of the blanks because he's just stupid why would he travel by himself down that way he got what he deserved and again all the things i've already shared about the religious and and all these different things so i came across something a long time ago i know i've read this one time in the past but i want to read it again (laughs) because it just speaks to me and i'll go ahead and and uh i'll give the spoiler alert this was written several years ago by a well-known uh, comedian that as soon as I say the name, those of you that have any age on you will remember and you think, I can't believe he's going to read that in church. The name of the comedian was George Carlin. George Carlin may have been very foul-mouthed, but he was brilliant and quite the wordsmith. And I, as I'm reading this again, I just thought, i got to pull that back up again because it's going to speak to us again. And what this was, was George Carlin was, was doing his own wife's eulogy. She had just passed. And he said, you know, the paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but we have less. <laughs> we buy more and we enjoy less. Woo, can we hear an amen in the house? Didn't know George could preach so good, did you? He's just getting started we have bigger houses and smaller families more conveniences, but less time We have more degrees. (laughs) I love this one, but less sense (laughs) More knowledge but less judgment more experts (laughs) yet more problems More medicine but less wellness We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too little, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much, we love too seldom, and we hate too often. We conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We write more, but we learn learn less. We pray more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less and less. There are times of fast foods and slow digestion big men and small character (laughs) Been watching the news lately steep profits and shallow relationships. These are the days of two incomes, but more divorce, fancier houses, but broken homes. These are the days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one night stands, overweight bodies and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It is a time when there was much in the showroom window, but nothing in the stockroom. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, but not life to years. Can I read that part again? We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. And we've added years to life, but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back and have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted our soul. We've conquered the atom, but we've not conquered our prejudice. Pretty good preaching. Pretty good preaching. So we're back today as we close out. Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And it's really quite challenging, isn't it? We come back and... We find in James one twenty two that we are to not be only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Matter of fact, it's uh, in Hosea 6 and 6. I desire steadfast love, God says, and not sacrifice. Knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So again, as we close out, we just really, really got to let this thing speak to us. Many years ago in a different lifetime, of course, for me, I was a youth pastor. And I came up with a name for that youth group at that particular church, named it Challenge. (laughs) Yes, that was Marietta Church of God. I guess that word's always been there in my spirit. I want to be challenged. I've read a story of Abraham Lincoln And Abraham Lincoln, as as the war had started, he traveled to different churches throughout Washington, D.C., hearing the different sermons, and he came back with such a sad commentary. He said, none of them are preaching anything that challenges me. Whenever life stops challenging you, there's not much to live for of this thing that we get so guarded, we get so defensive. I don't want somebody speaking into my life. We're so challenged today with uh, even getting close enough, even in our churches, to let someone older. The Bible's filled with instruction. Let the older men get with the younger men and give them instruction. Let the older women get with it. But we got women that are older don't wanna say I'm old. Just a thought. (laughs) Let's keep keep it real today. It's one thing to see a young girl doing things that you wouldn't appreciate. It's one thing just to have an opinion. Well, she shouldn't dress that way. She shouldn't be walking over there. It's another thing to go and say, can I build a relationship with you so we can dialogue together? I promise you this younger generation wants that. but we're told it shouldn't work anymore. Who is my neighbor? Every day we have opportunities to make a difference. Every day we have opportunity to be challenged. Why do you think the Holy Spirit comes into our life? To keep us the same? No. Why would we be endued with power from on high if everything's status quo? Come on, somebody. Amen me so I think of somebody out there what happened to us when did we quit caring so what somebody doesn't like you for a moment oh well that's nothing new you know okay like me I just stand in line take a number How long has it been since you got involved in somebody's life and they come back later and say, I owe you an apology. I didn't like you when I first met you because you were direct, you were honest. You you didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, but you mean so much to me now. How long has it been since you've earned that place that you've proved that you're worth the air you breathe? I know this is tough today, but we're living in a time when somebody needs to make a difference and be a neighbor because that's really what the question is. It isn't who's my neighbor. The question is, am I being neighborly? That's the message. You see, when it comes to Good Samaritan, we get that even mixed up. We'll say uh, somebody's charitable, somebody. Well, you're just a Good Samaritan. That is not what the story is about. Matter of fact, today, many of you already know this. There are laws on the book called Good Samaritan Laws and those laws are there so that if you see someone that's in an unsafe situation or has been injured is this not true nurse hope if they've been injured because something got in their life that made it unsafe these laws protect the passerby that renders aid and still something goes wrong or somebody gets to this other person saying, you know, you can sue that person because they should have never got involved to start off with. These laws are there to protect. For our RVers in life, for those of you who don't know who RVers are, they're a recreational vehicles. And there's the biggest industry out there for this world is what? The Good Sam Club. What's the Good Sam Club about? That they're all nice out there in the KOA parks? It's all about safety. This industry is built to keep those who enjoy RVs, to keep them safe. So we're back to us. What is it that I can do? What difference can I make? It comes back to really what am I doing to be neighborly? Can I have just another moment? I'll be transparent with you. You know my age. And you know I'm no longer 20-something or 30-something. Or 40-something or (laughs) 50-something. And when I first got involved in full-time ministry in my 20s, I would have people that had bias and prejudice against me because I was too young. What can he know? Back then, I actually had hair. And a lot of it. And it had color to it and there was people that didn't like that as i got older and i lost some of that hair my hairdresser sitting right here <laughs> she has to deal with this bald head all the time now there are people that don't like me because i'm bald in other words All the way through, there are plenty of reasons why we shouldn't get involved. There's always somebody giving you information that, oh, that's right, yeah, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm not educated enough. We just go right through the list, and yet the whole message is, am I being neighborly? What can I do to make a difference? How long has it been since I've engaged, got involved, just like the Samaritan? to get involved, not knowing what the outcome's gonna be, but I'm going to give. You see, what we don't find is here is that he had previous information, This Samaritan about this reckless traveler that will I ever get recompense for what I've done? Do you think that there's somebody that'll give me back what I'm putting into this guy? And again, the whole story is there of this innkeeper. Sure, he had enough money for a day or two, but if it had gone longer, this man already knew him and trusted him that he would say, and if there's more, you know me, I'll take care of the bill when I get back. There was a reputation. This is good stuff, folks. This is good stuff. This guy had been living this a long time. He had learned how to be neighborly. It didn't matter. Next week, it may, it may be a Jew instead of, uh, uh, I mean, it may be a non-Jew that I come across. The whole thing is, I need to get involved. This person's hurting. But it's not just when somebody is half dead physically. What about those we come in contact every day that's half dead in their spirit? It is a good word. Would you stand with me today?